Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefo Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And we're very excited about the episode we have yes. for you today. It is brought to you by the new HBO Max original series, and just like that, a new chapter of Sex in the City, which is now streaming. And in this episode, we're going to react to and discuss the first two episodes of the series, which we just watched, Yes, which came out on HBO Max on December 9th of 2021. We did. We got to hang out in person and watch mm -hmm. them. There was a Cosmo had... Oh yes. Yes. It was it was delightful. There were some tears <laughs> tears uh, were shed. Yes. Some expletives were released. Yes. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. You can see our past episode on Sex and the City, where we did a kind of an overview of the whole show. Um, and check out our Happy Hour Watch series, which is ongoing. It's a bit of a project for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is going to be really interesting since, Samantha, you have seen all of the episodes, a movie and a half. <laughs> a movie and a half is true. A movie and a half. Um, whereas I'm still very early on in my Sex and the City journey. And we already have some uh, thoughts about that. And we're going we're gonna to get into that later. But that being said, um, there are going to be spoilers in this. Major spoilers, which I have a feeling if you're interested at all and you've seen any articles, you may already know these spoilers. Yes. But a huge spoiler that I didn't know about that I kind of wish I did. Yeah, I'm actually <laughs> very excited to talk about it which sounds dark, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was really interesting because just having seen about three episodes now, plus these two new ones, it did feel very different. Um, it felt like a very different thing, uh, which we're, yeah, we're going to get into. But yes, spoilers, if you want to come back later. Um, also, <laughs> there's podcasting in it. Yeah. So it felt very meta. It was interesting to be watching people podcasting on a show while we were podcasting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. 
So you've heard us talk about Sex and the City before, but just a brief recap. Sex and the City is an American comedy romance drama television series that premiered on HBO in 1998, where it ran until 2004. So that's 94 episodes over six seasons and later two movies. It was based on the 1997 Candace Bushnell book, by the same name, and created by Darren Starr and largely produced and written and directed sometimes by Michael Patrick King. Yes, for HBO. It's set in New York City and stars Sarah Jessica Parker as sex columnist Carrie Badstraw, Cynthia Nixon as Miranda Hobbs, Kristen Davis as Charlotte York, and Kim Cattrall as Samantha Jones. It follows the four women's friendships as they navigate relationships and sex um, and has had a huge, lasting cultural impact. People still talk about, you know, who who are you in Sex and the City? Are you Miranda? <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. Um, and go back and listen to our episode on it for more on that. But yes, this brings us to the HBO Max series. And just like that, a new chapter of Sex and the City. Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, and Miranda Hobbs have returned for it. And they've added Sarah Ramirez as comedian and podcast host, Che Diaz. Nicole Ari Parker as documentarian, Lisa Todd Wexley. Karen Pittman as Columbia Law School professor, Dr. Nia Wallace. And Sarita Chaudhary as real estate agent, Seema Patel to the cast. And the show is trying to be less white, which is one of the biggest criticisms of it. Um, something the cast and creators have been very open about. The writer's room is reportedly 50% people of color and mostly women. According to Elle, Shrill and Tuka Birdie writer and WOW No Thank You author Samantha Irby, who will also serve as co-producer, Parks and Recreation alum Roshna Fruchtbaum, who will also executive produce, 20s Black Lightning and Being Mary Jane alum Kelly Goff, who will serve as supervising producer, and Julie Rottenberg and Eliza Zaritsky, who both worked on the original series and will serve as executive producers. New cast member Nicole Ari Parker told Variety, we can talk about the elephant in the room that there were no fully fleshed out characters of color, but now here's the four of us. We're real people and they've been great to work with and some of our storylines deal with race and deal with real experiences. It's New York City. And Kathy Ong, the actress who plays one of Charlotte's daughters, said, I really think it is going to showcase the way that our beloved trio can actually interact with women of color today. And even at a table read, there's always discussion about how to make sure these characters are properly representing a real person. I think those conversations are constantly happening with the writers, with the producers, and they're so open to it. And I see it in the storylines. I also don't think it's going to reduce anyone to just the color of their skin. Um, and Ramirez is also non-binary and queer, the first regularly occurring non-binary cast member, and plays a comedian on a podcast that regularly features Carrie, <laughs> which, yes, was interesting. <laughs> it's so rare that I feel like I get to do the thing like, that's not how it works or whatever. <laughs> the door is allegedly open for Samantha's character to return. We will talk about that a little bit. So... I feel interesting writing this because I have now seen these two episodes, and I guess we should timestamp this because today is December 10th, 2021. Um, so we've only seen the first two. I have only seen of the series the first three episodes so far, and then like bits and pieces, but pretty much only the first three episodes. And now these two episodes of And Just Like That. So it was interesting for me to kind of put the pieces together of, uh, what happens in between all of these episodes that I'm going to watch. But, okay, 
where these characters were at the end of the second movie. We have Miranda had joined a law firm. Charlotte was hosting a child's birthday party. Samantha was having a very nice orgasm. And Carrie and Mr. Big were cuddled up on a couch while watching a movie together. Happily ever after, we would think. So, we've got Carrie as a writer, Miranda as a lawyer, and Charlotte as a homemaker, now in their 50s. All of their husbands have returned. Um, So you got Carrie and Big, Charlotte and Harry, and their two daughters, and Miranda and Steve, and their son, Brady, who you (laughs) immediately was like, it looks like the guy from Ratatouille. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Willie Garson Stanford Blatch uh, returns, obviously filmed prior to his untimely death, and Stanford has married his longtime nemesis, Anthony. Did you have any predictions like going in Samantha, any, what did you think was going to go down? Not going to lie, I really didn't have any predictions. I had no idea how they were going to handle it. I, I think I, my biggest part was how they were going to handle the real-life death of Willie Garson. So, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have any predictions either, other than I thought... I thought, uh, as a novice, <laughs> as someone who hasn't seen all of them yet, I thought that um, Carrie... And big, we're going to be having marital troubles. I thought it was going to be kind of a cheating or I don't know, some kind of struggle in their relationship. That's what I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we watched the first two episodes, Hello, It's Me and Little Black Dress, and we recorded our reactions. Um, if there's anything, <laughs> we, had, we had some good, we had some moments on the mic where there were emotions. Um, and some thoughts. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we wanted to to go over some of those things uh, and, and perhaps share some of that with you. Am I crying? Yeah. <laughs> Do I want to get past this? Yes. <laughs> we should keep a crying count. Oh my God. I don't, I, I now understand why so many people are mad. <laughs> Is it a bad thing? No. Do I hate it? Yes. <laughs> I moved and I haven't even seen a lot of it. Yeah. You had tears in your eyes. I know. A lot of tears. It's, it's Mine sad. is protruding out, but you're just there. <laughs> I get it. But I legitimately like the take they have on this. I mm-hmm. do. I think it's super unexpected. Yeah. But it's real. It's legit. Like, he almost died during one of the episodes and, like, had this whole moment. So him having a heart condition is not far off. Mm-hmm. So people being really upset about this is like, no. And I actually genuinely love the Sam line. hmm Yeah. Uh, that's the best they could do. I have a lot of feelings about this whole issue, but that's a whole other thing. Right. But all that to say, yes, yes, it's exactly. So for myself, who has gone through grandparent deaths mm-hmm. and friend deaths, like I had, I told you, I think uh, I had a whole year where I had nine funerals, including un- unborn, like, yeah. like where they had children that came uh, prematurely and they had like oh, had God. all of these things, yeah. eight months in the pregnancy where like, you know, all those things. But all of that to say like, yes, these moments and like, I'm very attached to my animals. And when my dog died, who really just kept me 
going during my really bad defects years. Like, yeah. I couldn't sleep, uh, so many nightmares, so many cases that when my dog died, because he sleeps in the be- slept in the bed with yeah. me, I could not sleep on my in my bed for a year. Wow. So yeah. I would sleep on the couch. And even after the fact, every now and again, when I get super stressed out, mm-hmm. I slept on the couch. Yeah. Because that was too much. And that's with just a dog. Right. So a partner that you've been with for 20 years and yeah. more, mm-hmm. 30 years? Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. I feel like it's really tackling grief, like, accurately. Yeah. I this is the good thing to me. Like, they have three perspectives. You have Miranda, you have the Charlotte, and you have Carrie, and then Stanford. <laughs> um, but, like, all of those, I think, does a really good job in portraying some specific things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I hate this take. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> but I think it's a good take. I, I, you know me. Yeah. If it's too, too much, too real, then I'm probably not going to love it. Mm-hmm. But it's real. And, yeah. and this, I really think, has established it as a different show. Yeah. And coming into what does it look like after 45? Yeah. And here we are. And I get why people are upset. But I think a part of this is, and oh my God, I'm sure we're going to have many listeners yell at me about this. People who are watching this as a new thing, mm-hmm. watching the rerun, so the 20 or 30-year-olds, are unhappy that they can't revisit that in this time. Mm. And I get that. Mm-hmm. But it, like for the actors who have aged, that's not where they're at. So we're yeah. following them yeah. as they aged. And so it becomes a different show. And yeah. I think it's... On point, as a person who is actually in my 40s, coming to find out, like, the relationships are hard in itself. And when you have abnormal or things that are not heteronormative to the ideas of the 1970s, 80s, 90s, of this is the perfect family, having Mm -hmm. it all, perception, which includes being married, having children, and to come to this point— I think it's, it works. Mm-hmm. I think this show is aging as it's supposed to. Yeah. People are angry. I get it. Mm-hmm. Because they really wanted a reboot. And they yeah. should know with the fact that it is now a new show. Mm-hmm. It's not a reboot. It's a continuation. Yeah. Therefore, right. this is where we're at. Yeah. And it fits to me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's evolved and it had to evolve. It had to. I do like this new take. I do. Is it hard? Am I crying? Am I angry? (laughs) Yes. Am I going to be thinking on this and having to watch like Ratatouille, which now I'm going to think about Brady being the chef in Ratatouille? Sure. Whatever. But I do feel like this beginning, this newness. And and again, I think you and I will talk about it a little more in our own... um, Sex in the City episodes where we do our rewatch or your new watch. Yes. That I think they did a good... I know people are angry about mm-hmm. the Sam thing. Mm-hmm. But I like this take and it's real. I don't know for y'all who are not in your 40s, later 30s, that this is what happens in friendships. And unfortunately, yes, I do wish we could have a perspective of seeing Sam live her own life and yeah. see where she's at. But we lose friendships because of miscommunication mm-hmm. in general. And then finding that one person or both people are like, you know what? This is not worth it. Yeah. End of story. Like, I will say I have lost a friendship that I thought I would have forever who was my best friend from third grade. 
because there was a miscommunication and because I, I would have liked to see this, but I think they gave respect enough mm-hmm. to the character of Samantha. But like we lost connection. She ended up moving back home with someone that I was like, okay, cool, cool, that's you. I'm not going to fight this, but I'm definitely not coming right. around. Uh, she had a child. Things kind of got awry. I live in Atlanta. She lives like two hours away. And then on top of that, Trump election happened. And some things were said on her end. I was like, yeah, no, right. no. I'm a person of color. You are a white person who is living in our small hometown. Mm-hmm. And you really felt the need to say this. And that in itself tells me, I can't. I can't try to force a friendship mm-hmm. in that. And I'm so sad because it was 20 years, 25 yeah. years worth of a relationship that died, yeah. essentially. And I'm like, to me, though, if she were to come to me and if she wanted to, I would be open and mm-hmm. I will defend her to the end of the days. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I'm like, I'm too old to feel like, and we've changed too much yeah. to try to do this in a way that's unhealthy. And we've talked about that, right. how to break up with a friend. Yeah. And this is one of those moments of like, this is where you are. You are inconsiderate in this. And now you're having to reevaluate. And I think she's growing because there's things that are happening. And I think people can grow. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, it's not my right job yeah. to make this happen if it's a one-sided thing. And it wasn't one-sided. Our friendship was good. Mm-hmm. These things fell through. Things happen. Miscommunications happens. And then like things came out. I was like, oh, no. I feel like you said who you were during this election time. And I I'm, I, I know the uh, Donald Trump uh, era killed a lot of friendships. Yeah. <laughs> family relationships. Yep. And yep. I think that's that case. And I was like, you know what? Uh-uh. No. Yeah. And that's I still feel that way today. Like, to be fair, if she were to come to me and be like, yeah, let's be, let's, reconcile, we would have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of those that I'm like, okay, great. But I've also come to the point that, and they're 50s, but for me in the 40s, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I don't have the bandwidth to do this. Right. And I think it's realistic. So I think that idea of like one of the four splitting off, is not that unheard of. And I think even though, yes, I think people are going to be upset about the fact that the explanation was that she fired her as a friend. Yeah. You do see this take as the fact that that's how you talk in your perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I'm talking, as I'm talking about my, uh, like end of my friendship, it's my perspective. Yeah. And people would be like, I agree with you. Because <laughs> hopefully you're on my side as right. my friend. And then moving on to that really genuine kind gesture mm-hmm. of the flowers. Yeah. I feel like that was a nice little touch. Yeah. I think so too. I think so, too. Uh, I have a lot of feels, and I'm snotty. (laughs) Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Okay, so I actually had a notebook and I was taking notes um, while we were watching and I wanted to read them, just my notes. And I think that it'll be very funny. That That's my opinion. So, for the first episode, the first thing I wrote was, now that is seeing the condom half full. Sexy sirens in their 60s. Brunch with stars all around it. Gray ages you, in parentheses, ageism. Um, Spicy redhead. Ruth Bader Ginsburg mention. (laughs) What does that mean? Fries. Because there was a scene with fries. Um, My hair, question, fabulous, exclamation mark. More to her as an ATM, ouch. Um, Someone's quick with the pronouns. Masturbation, anal, compulsory heterosexuality, masturbation, men's bathroom, purse wine, sex shamed, shoes, rose style, lily prodigy. Cinnamon roll, five exclamation points. Tokenism, question mark. Making someone talk about sex, question mark. Losing friends, awkwardness. I was lied to. (laughs) There you go. So that's for the first one. For the second one, I wrote, little black dress, different meaning. Why, question mark. Killing off a man to move forward the plot. <laughs> Sex with teens. Loud. Landline, question mark. Miranda Carey, friendship. Very supportive. Funeral home. <laughs> Mrs. Preston. Not knowing what to do for grieving friends. White savior complex. The Peloton. No flowers. Samantha. Funeral fashion, how to address big issues, making it about you, Count Dracula, alcoholism. (laughs) So that's a wide, a lot of ground was covered in these two episodes. So 
Samantha, what is your general, how do you feel now that we've watched them? What's your take? I mean, obviously, there's just a, a lot to take in. Um, I think I summarized it pretty well at the end of our conversation and uh, watching it. Um, I think it's a good turn. I think it fits with uh, what they're going through, what they've gone through. And as many controversial uh, stuff has happened and people are talking about it, I get it. And people, This is a big change from what we see. But I mean, part of the reason Sex and the City did work uh, was because of the fantasy. But also, yeah, there was a lot of realism in it too. You haven't been a part of the show to see like the ins and outs of the cheating and the good guy versus the bad guy, which there isn't. Who's the villain here? Who isn't the villain here? There's that big trope about who is wrong and right. So there's a lot of that. So I think that's where it leans to. This is what it was. I just didn't expect to be hit so heavily at the beginning. Yes. So I guess we should address the <laughs> one of the elephants in the room, <laughs> which is the death uh, that happens in the first episode. Big dies. And Samantha and I, when we were watching it, because the reason I wrote I Was Lied To is I read in an interview from Michael Patrick King, no one would be dying. And so I was like, okay, good to know. And then right away, someone dies. <laughs> but Samantha and I both thought he was going to masturbate um, because it had, it, it had been a question that Carrie had brought up and she'd asked like, will you masturbate in front of me? as part of her like drive to be more open on this podcast about sexuality, which also is very interesting because she's a sex columnist. But her for her personal self being more open, which I guess is probably going to be an arc for her. But yeah, Samantha and I were like, oh no, he's going to masturbate. And then he died instead. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So so I didn't expect that. It, it is like, I thought, as I said, it feels very different than what I've seen from the very the first season so far of the show. It did feel like a really accurate, to me, depiction of grief. And you kind of had all of the different examinations of it because you had uh, like Miranda... I loved that scene where she just showed up when Carrie called her. She just right. showed up and hugged her and held her at night and was just there, like that supportive friend that was just there. You had her being angry. You had Charlotte feeling this guilt because she had convinced Carrie to come to a concert with her uh, that night, but kind of making it about herself. Uh, and I did like that you got where she was coming from, but you also got where Carrie was coming from. Like you understood both of their viewpoints. And then you had, like, Stanford kind of making jokes, but also kind of being performative at a funeral. Um, and, a, yeah, that was interesting to see kind of this performative grief and this fashion at a funeral. <laughs> I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Um, in terms of like how Carrie's going to handle it and how everyone's going to deal with it. Probably the other thing we were talking about is obviously Samantha didn't return, which has been this kind of big question hanging over it and how they addressed it. 
And you and I, Samantha, were talking about how we've had similar things happen because in the show, essentially, it's sort of told as like, basically, they had a falling out and it just fizzled. Their friendship just fizzled and she moved to London and they're just not friends anymore, which I have had something similar happen to me. And we talked about we've talked about that a lot in our like toxic mm-hmm. friendship episode. Are just you know it feels like failing when you lose a friend, but sometimes it's just sort of a natural progression, right? Uh, I think a, bo- a big part of the controversy, of course, from the beginning was why Samantha wasn't returning Kim Cattrall, and just about how this was going to be a different show now. And absolutely, it is a different show. And I think that was the point. I made that point a few times, saying this is why they started it as a completely different title, a miniseries, uh, to recreate something that was loved in a different way that follows them at this age and time. And I, I don't know, like I said before, and when we were viewing it, I think for a lot of newer uh, viewers, like yourself even, mm-hmm. like it felt... Even though we are obviously having a flashback, you still feel that sentiment and and know them as that. Uh, kind of like uh, they just, they're forever on screen. They're forever young on screen. Mm-hmm. So when we revisit and have them aging and then finding new places in their lives that doesn't feel on point with what you thought they were at because, mm-hmm. again, you have frozen them in that time, that it has, it's, it's a shock. A, B, it's a shock when things do change and uh, people are written out. And of course, again, I think a lot of people were just automatically going to be upset that Samantha Jones was not going to be in it. People are automatically upset because they associate with Kim Cattrall, that even mentioning Kim Cattrall's a character of Samantha, which she did create, she did a beautiful job with, seems like an affront mm-hmm. to the fans. And I get that. But honestly, yeah, I think it's very realistic. I think friendships like that was realistic. As in fact, one of the reviews that I read when they were defending, yes, this makes sense to me when everybody else was like, you did Samantha dirty, which I saw that so many times. It essentially was no, but it made sense because they were already struggling with friendships. They had a big conflict when Carrie decided to get married, and that was on purpose. And then when I when she became the maid of honor, you know, she was accepting it, all these good things. But in actuality, I always thought, which, again, I love Samantha Jones, but just like in this episode, uh, in these two episodes, Miranda always has showed up. Miranda mm-hmm. was the one that she had always called. Like, that was the first person, no matter what in the group, there's always a kind of a breakdown. And the person closest to her that she saw the most or was there for the most or was there for her immediately was Miranda. So I found that weird uh, when she wasn't the maid of honor. Mm-hmm. But again, I know that was actually a lot to do with contracts and, and airtime. But so having that fall apart did not seem surprising. And with the fact that she does send the flowers, I thought that was a lovely touch. I, I thought that was a nice sentiment of, hey, we're not fixed, but I'm thinking about you. So I think that was actually a really great way to have Samantha in that, because they couldn't just ignore as if, she, like, it would have been real dirty if Samantha yeah. had not done anything at mm-hmm. all, knowing that this is the love of her life and he is gone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that I was really scared about, and yeah, I definitely had to explain to you a majority of what was happening because there was a lot of throwbacks to original yes. seasons. Several old school characters came back to play, which was lovely. Um, Stanford's own relationship with Anthony kind of came back into view, like, oh, okay, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, seeing Lily and Rose was the tiny baby when the last time I, because I did not watch all of the second movie, had seen her. Um, mm-hmm. And I love, you know, her being whatever, she, whether it's uh, non-binary or she wants to be, you know, just a tomboy, if that's a thing for her or what, or just not wanting to be in that world of posh style, Rose, mm-hmm. I like where they're going with that. I think it's going to be interesting. And I think that opens it up for a lot. So, like, there's a lot of throwbacks in the first two that I really appreciated. Uh, I had to explain to you about the shoes because I was like, that yes. is pivotal to what happened in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the thing when Big and she did not get married, which you don't know about. I know I'm having swallowed <laughs> you on a, a few it's things. All good. Yeah. <laughs> Miranda was there for her immediately. And then when Miranda and Steve had troubles, Carrie was there for her immediately. So you have all of those kind of throwbacks in these conversations. And yeah, also in a throwback, Lily seems to be a crux <laughs> in some of these plot points, uh, unbeknownst yeah. to her. Poor thing. Yeah, that seemed to be a big takeaway in social media anyway. <laughs> and I did want to touch on this because Miranda in this season, like it is incredibly awkward incredibly awkward interactions. And I know, Samantha, those are very difficult for you to watch. I didn't uh, like <laughs> Yes. And I think it's interesting because it feels like, um, I think you said, you know, it's like they're kind of picking up. Like, they, they nothing is totally fixed. They're not, like, totally you know, suddenly woke feminist or something, but they, they're they working on it, or specifically Miranda. And in this case, you know, white feminism and being the white savior and trying to not be that, but then like stepping in it every opportunity mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and trying to work through it. But it is... I Yeah, I feel like there's definitely you know, some some moments where it's almost kind of leaning into our conversation we had around Black Christmas of like, is this too woke? Is this too on the nose? Like, is it too... And But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, this would be really awkward. And, you know, they're having these conversations. And I think like sometimes they were pretty clunky in the way they handled it. But I do appreciate the that they're like trying to have those conversations, trying to examine the flaws of these characters of the past and trying to kind of clumsily (laughs) be better. But it is interesting that it's like only Miranda. (laughs) Right. I think Miranda is the one being thrown into that situation, though. She's the only one that's with the younger, quote-unquote, crew. Mm -hmm. Although we do, once again, see uh, the newest character of LTW, (laughs) is how uh, Charlotte calls her at the Mm -hmm. beginning, as if she was like, uh, I don't know, Prince or something. Uh, Mm -hmm. Apparently, she's very rich and very well-known in society, uh, Lisa. Mm -hmm. Like, the way they introduced her, too, was interesting. I I kind of like, okay, uh, we're trying trying to change some things. I think the biggest question, again, like, yes, how much can you do in two episodes? And here yeah. we are fumbling in, in. And what we don't realize till later on is that Miranda is taking a chance by quitting what she knew, which she was a partner 
in law firms. She was making money. Mm-hmm. And after feeling a lot of things, and I think we can all say during the time of the Women's March, people were feeling things and trying to change things and wanting to do things. And we can also say during that Women's March, a lot of good intended people were exclusionary <laughs> and not understanding of their privilege. And mm-hmm. I think that's what Miranda was representing. Maybe I'm reading into it because it also did fit into the character of Miranda, which I already told you, like she is bossy. She's the first one that's going to speak up, even though she didn't have to. So her mm-hmm. telling someone that's so-and-so seat after she'd been corrected is on point with her character. Mm-hmm. So I think that is appropriate. Even in those stages of grief, it was on point with each of those characters. And I'd already talked about that. The fact that, you know, We have Charlotte, who is so over-the-top emotional that Carrie had to care for her instead of the other way around. Uh, And Miranda is automatically angry, and she's going to lash out because that's what she does. And that's kind of their characters uh, the entire time, so it made sense. So people are like, why are they doing this thing? And I did. I definitely saw a TikTok video recently talking about how Sam got really raked over the coals and doing the worst bits or worst plot lines. And I was like... Have you seen Miranda's character? Because for the first three years, people just talked about how awful she was. Because literally, it sounded like she was the boss bitch in a negative term. When in actuality, we were all like, nah, that's real. She's right. Let's just be real honest. And uh-huh. you know, to this day, I'm like, she, she had the most realistic point of view and standards. And I think it's okay. But yeah, to me, like they all hit their characters as seen. Um, and I did think it was interesting going back to like Samantha uh, being absent mm-hmm. is a character in itself. And I think they know that. Yes. Yes, for sure. And there's one thing I was really curious about is how they were going to handle like COVID because they said they would and it is mentioned, but it's kind of like implied that it's handled or or something. But also, yeah, like what you said, they brought up current events, things that have happened recently, within the past couple of years, and how they have influenced these characters. And also, I, I, I think one of my favorite parts they did hit on, I mean, it's almost like there was like, ding, here's your, you love brunch. Remember when they did brunch? They're doing brunch. Like, but they had that supportive relationship. But I also thought it was really interesting that they did have kind of these I don't. I don't want to say conflicts, but just the, the nuances in their friendships. Because Carrie was like, I can't have Charlotte around because she's too emotional, and she's going to make it about herself. And having that conversation and kind of working through it. But I do appreciate that we're seeing these difficulties and them kind of working on those difficulties. But those do exist, especially if they've known each other that long. Uh, yeah, that was still my favorite part. I think my favorite scene was when Miranda and Carrie were like ra- right after Big died and they were in the bed right. together. That was yeah. so sweet. It was. And I think that was, again, it also uh, kind of attests to the fact that they were friends from a while ago and very supportive of each other even before mm-hmm. the actual show. And again, yeah, the three of them are very much supportive of each other in these shows and whatever their activities were, um, when Cynthia Nixon ran for mayor, they were all behind her 120,000%, mm-hmm. and I think still are. I think it's interesting. Yeah, they, they did try to keep that at the crux of the show. And that's kind of the whole thing. It's like everybody's pissed off that Big is dead. And yeah, that's significant because <laughs> the entire show is based on her finding love. 
Mm-hmm. Which is a trope in itself, but mm-hmm. and she lost it. Now what do you do? And I I wonder if it's just coming back around to that centering of friendships and yeah. and and sticking to the fact that yeah it was a it was a crew of them and holding each other up. I mean in the end of the first movie, Big does say I know that they are the true loves of your life, meaning mm-hmm. uh, these ladies that's been with her, and it is it's true for uh, them, and and that's again one of the big things that it made me love Sex in the City. Uh, was that they had fights, but they still loved each other um, throughout. And it felt nice. It felt nice to see that where they weren't necessarily backstabbing each other. They weren't cheating with each other's mans. They were, you know what I right. mean? Like, not that that has to happen. And again, that is very much a stereotype, but that was perpetuated a lot. And so yeah. to have a successful series that actually elevates these friendships is a beautiful thing. And I think they did a great job in bringing that back because they do, they are there for those key moments for each other. Same way with Charlotte was going through not being able to get pregnant and all of the heartbreaks of miscarriages. Like they were there for each other, which you have mm-hmm. not seen yet, but you will come upon <laughs> accidental pregnancies. Like all of these things, whether or not to decide to keep the fetus or not, like all of these mm-hmm. conversations were huge and they were right there for each other. And it makes sense that if this is their final hurrah, that they would approach the death of their loved one like mm-hmm. this. And I think this kind of feels like, yeah, we're closing it up if this is what they're planning to do. Maybe that's a prediction in itself. It is supposed <laughs> to be a miniseries. Maybe they're just testing the waters to see if they can make a third movie. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it does come back around in that love and support. And again, it coming back to, we haven't seen Charlotte uh, do too much yet. I will say for her character, I truly believe it wasn't. Even though like, yeah, oh, don't do this. Don't make her carry her, your emotional labor. But yeah. the fact is that she feels like it's her fault. Mm-hmm. She feels like she did something wrong and that this is going to end their friendship, which may be a part of the plot line. Because yeah. it, it could have been miscommunication when Carrie was like, I can't deal with all the emotions. But in Charlotte's head, it's like, it's, you blame me. You're mad at me. Right. And it absolutely could have been a part of that, you know, even even like partially. But then they were able to break that down and and, and close it up nicely and come together. I think that that is on point with Charlotte's character. So the new writers have added that on as who she is. Yes, this is exactly, I believe, that reaction of Charlotte because she's also the one when Carrie announces her engagement to Big, screams in the middle of the restaurant and announces to everyone to the <laughs> point that Carrie is so mortified. Right. But like, that's her response. She is an emotional person. Mm-hmm. And she grieves in this way. And I think it makes perfect sense for her character. And I get that. I don't think it was a selfish intent, but it just happens to be, you know, she's a pretty, she's a like, a, like what, what do they call her? Like a park princess, essentially. <laughs> okay. In, in the beginning of the movies. Because she uh-huh. is. She's a social light princess who is mm-hmm. like a wasp and, and, and converted to Judaism to be with her husband. Like all of these things. Mm. Annie, you're in for a treat. I know. I'm giving you a lot of things. You are. Uh, all these things are on point from what I see, the character, and even Samantha's reaction, even though, of course, we would have liked to see her, that's on point, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. The only one thing I did not love, Stanford's reaction. Because between the two of them, Stanford is typically the one that does understand emotions more. than, And Anthony's the blunt, over-the-top, mm-hmm. just blurted-out guy. And then they have this kind of switch. And I was like, what? Mm. That was different to me. yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And I think one of the things we were talking about is, you know, the the original series felt very much like a fantasy and kind of an aspirational fantasy uh, element of, you know, we all kind of knew 
there's no way they could have afforded what they the fashion they were wearing on what they were the jobs they had but but we liked you know seeing it and suspending right. our disbelief whereas this one feels very much more like there's still that absolutely there's still fashion and stuff I'm like hmm uh, I'm sure that costs more than my entire wardrobe the shoes oh. is worth more than two months of our paycheck Annie the shoe I gasped aloud when I saw those shoes mm-hmm. and so it feels kind of like jarring I think of of kind of a reality check and especially we were talking about how like I don't think this was the intent, but it's interesting that, you know, they're older and then immediately someone dies from a heart attack, kind of. (laughs) Right. And I was thinking about that because I did a rewatch right after we watched them to kind of get my thoughts together for this. And I was thinking of the, you know, when Carrie ends the episodes, but she doesn't have a lot of um, voiceover in these. Mm -mm. Um, When she ends them and, you know, it's, and just like that, both times, it's very sobering. It's very sad. It's abrupt, yes. 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 And very jarring. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. And I was thinking about that with the little black dress, the title of the second episode, where it's like clearly a nod to to fashion, but also to, you know, this grief and trying to deal with that in your... And and move on. And it's just touching on all this different stuff. And I thought that was interesting because I feel like it's kind of a nod to a lot of the the things that were huge and key and made the show what people loved about it. And part of that was fashion, um, but also like, you know, funeral. Uh, <laughs> and trying to find that fashion for a funeral. And there's just so many things in there that were very, very sad. Like when she's like in the closet, she hugs his jackets and like smells them. Oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah. There's definitely a lot that seems very real. Because also we were talking about the fact that, yeah, they did, she did want that posh look yes. uh, for his funeral. Did mm-hmm. not want to go to what looked like, again, uptown, almost palacey. Mm-hmm. type of uh, funeral home. She wanted that black and white where I was like, that looks like an art space. That's yes, what that looks did. like. Yep. And the fact that everybody was in high fashion, mm-hmm. including, you know, I think we talked about Missy Von Mufflin, I think is her name. <laughs> I keep saying it wrong. Who comes in that has a full-on cape and you're like, what? Yes. But she is an heiress or yeah. she is very rich. So I'm like, this makes sense. Okay. But in the, one of the other episodes, and I, I told you a little bit about it, there's two uh, which deal with uh, deaths. And it's very like, not comical, but kind of used as comic plot line. Mm-hmm. And one of them is uh, a designer who died and the entire... Uh, audience is made up of people wearing his collection, which has now Ooh. tripled in value, like that. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is a really sad funeral, and everybody's bringing in dates, but like there, it was like all of Vogue editors and these people like that. It's just like the upper class of upper class of people. And she like comes in and she sees uh, Big's old secretary, who actually says, "You know, you look amazing. I love this outfit." And she's probably like. I want to make him proud. She's like, you you did that. You did that. Yeah. In that essence of like, yeah, he was absolutely all about style too. Not that he cared, but like he saw his suits. Like they are very on point, all mm-hmm. a brand. Um, and also I think, again, I had to be reminded because it's it it been a minute since I've seen all of it as we're rewatching it. He did have a heart condition. So mm-hmm. it wasn't so off point. Like it is not yeah. so like out of left field that I'm like, oh, that. That actually makes sense. I hate yeah. it, but this made sense. I didn't mm-hmm. want it to make sense. Yeah. 
but it does. And it's a part of that understanding that it happened. Now, what do we do? Did anybody expect it? They'd gone through so much hell and finally get to the point where being truly happy. And like his brother says that at the funeral, you know, he was happy. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, ah, why? Yeah. Yeah. And that that was one line that um, when Carrie says, what do I do now? No, what do I do now? Um, It's really resonated because I think that's it's kind of asking the question of like the show and like grappling with this and what is sex in the city now during our our modern times and I we get to see Carrie sort of you know trying to be like on a podcast or like you know adapt her sex column to more modern formats and then asking these questions also I thought it was interesting and I know a lot of people have had conversation about this about it's kind of the reverse of what we normally see where a woman dies and kicks off the whole story. This is a man dying and kicking off the plot line. Um, I know some people have kind of critiqued that and said like, basically they were getting out of showing problems in their marriage or something. But um, I think that's an interesting twist on it. Also, we have to touch on the ageism because I would say that's probably one of the big things when, when like the show was announced and when some of the first set pictures came out and the trailers came out, the internet at large was, of course, discussing their age, the work they had gotten done or hadn't gotten done. Um, you know, did they age well? And they did in the very first episode, they kind of addressed that. And it was one of those the kind of icky scenes where <laughs> Charlotte was like, I, I miss the red hair, Miranda. Like, dye your hair red. And you're like, no, your hair looks so good, Miranda. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's the entire thing. The fact that there's a lot of question in my head. There was a lot of because like a Carrie goes in for an interview for the podcast, which I find interesting. This woman wrote for Vogue. She had mm-hmm. like two or three top bestseller lifestyle books that went international. And I'm like, couldn't she just have her own podcast? <laughs> but maybe it's her trying to come into the new age, yeah. or could she yeah. just not? Just all she did was books. In the mm-hmm. story, which she looks like she was preparing for with her infamous laptops that she likes to type yes. on, uh, which we got to see that. I found that interesting. A, B, people taking uh, late in life changes. I adore that. Mm-hmm. I think they did wonderful with that. Again, I love Miranda's hair altogether, but mm-hmm. it is interesting to have Carrie talk about Instagram and posting on Instagram about different people's fashions, and yep. which I've actually seen on Instagram about New York fashion. There's one mm-hmm. like uh, that shows off New York fashions, and then there's one that shows off Korean fashion and mm-hmm. Japanese fashion, which are very interesting. Yeah, I sound old just saying that, but <laughs> yeah, like it is kind of interesting to see that take on them trying to keep up in mm-hmm. in their success or the latent life changes and what does that look like yeah. as you're navigating as an older woman. What does it do? But you're afforded this because you have the money under the time. Yes. So wonderful, but. Can you actually fit in? Yes, 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 yes. Um, And there's so much like we don't have time to go into, but they are continuing these conversations that we're having as we do this watch through series, but around like, yeah, masturbation. Um, (laughs) Like they're they're still asking those questions that are kind of familiar to the conversations they had in in the original series. So I'm sure we'll have a lot more (laughs) thoughts. I did want to include this quote from Kristen Davis, who plays Charlotte, uh, who was asked about this kind of ageism reaction. 
She said, I'm a woman in my 50s, so I'm well aware that your life does not end whether you find a guy or a girl or not, whether you have kids or not, right? We can testify to the fact that it's not over and it's not boring. So I was never in doubt that we could tell interesting stories. Um, yeah, and I, I'm interested to see how it goes. I enjoyed it. So one of our one of the things I'm curious about is Miranda and Che. I feel like there was some flirting. It does feel like that. Something was going on. Yep. So I'm interested to see how that goes. I'm also, Samantha and I discussed, we're like, not sure if Miranda is an alcoholic or if she's just really stressed. Not that you should drink when stressed, but I don't know. Interested to see about that. I think you're right. There's going to be some Charlotte Carey drama. Um, you got any thoughts or predictions for the future episodes? I think we're just going to see her uh, really re-evolve herself. And maybe we're going to see her for the first time just being her. Because again, a majority of the episodes and the shows previously were... Not that it didn't revolve around men, but men were very heavily a part of it. Yeah. So maybe this is a, this is kind of an awakening of her finding herself again in what it looks like to be without, of being a widow in this point. And I, I actually really do, again, want appreciate that, that this is a, a plot line and it's not, uh, we've seen them before, but the, this is like the headlight, like the star is the one who is here. And not that that doesn't happen a lot. We do see this happen a lot, but typically it involves horror movie stuff. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking on mm-hmm. instead of everyday life stuff and seeing this. And we've seen it. Yes, people revolve around it. And then we've only seen the aftermath or I don't know, maybe that she'll end up having another relationship. I don't know. I kind of hope that, that it's not. I would yeah. like to see what it looks like for uh, this conversation, which has always been finding the man of your dreams yep. to turn into being being single and it's okay or being without a relationship and it's okay because mm-hmm. times have changed since the original yeah. to where we are and now women are afforded that and are happy with that. Like, the second option is to be married. First option is just be good and independent. So what does that look like? Not that she wasn't independent, but I, I would like to, I hope to see that a little bit, yeah. just to see her growth because I couldn't imagine her jumping into a relationship anytime soon. This is definitely not like a breakup. Um, so I, I see that and her core like pushing herself and evolving and what that looks like. And I'm excited to see that. Yep. I see contention between Charlotte and her daughter and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where the Steve and Miranda plot line is because he is very heavily into, I don't know what I would do if I lost you. Yeah. So I feel like the first two episodes built up a lot of stuff that when we came back to it, we were like, oh, okay. You were yeah. trying to foreshadow. That's rude. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that maybe that's some foreshadowing. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, Samantha, we'll have to hang out, watch them, watch some more when they come out. And listeners, you can stream new episodes of And Just Like That on HBO Max and listen to the companion podcast on HBO Max and wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can contact us um, with your thoughts. You can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You or on Twitter at Momstuff Podcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This 
episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.